0: The only person that I I knew had passed was my grandfather who, you know, had passed because he was old, you know.
1: In this episode, we will talk about losing a best friend, feeling like a shadow to a sibling and anticipating the good days. We'll dive right into Elle McBride's courageous story, navigating through a number of events and living for the best days. Be sure to listen in for all the details. Hello, my wonderful beasties. It's Tina, your host. Welcome to the Courageous Inner Beast, the place to get you charged up by calling in your inner beast. Today we have Elle McBride. Hi Elle, please introduce yourself.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Hi everybody, I am Elle, and I'm so thrilled to be here and and being able to have the opportunity to share a bit of my story and the power of really self-belief.
1: So thank you so much. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, So here today, please share a courageous story of yours.
0: Yeah. So I suppose my story, um, I've really embarked on that journey of, from self-doubt and insecurity to becoming globally recognized for the work that I do. Um, but that hasn't come with my own, without my own, um, triumphs and heartaches and, and pain. So, a a bit about my story in a in a nutshell that I was born into a grieving family my parents had lost a child one year prior to my birth and Mm -hmm. it was within six days of each other and so in my mother's womb and for a a very long time there was always just this subtle feeling of grief and loss Mm -hmm. and so I subconsciously had a belief for a very long time that it shouldn't have been me that my brother should have lived and that I shouldn't have been here and it would show up in like the smallest smallest ways as to when I would get into trouble I'd think oh Josh wouldn't have done that or when you know I would be in the kitchen helping you know the the women and and not out you know on the motorbikes and and making my dad happy in that way and just little stories that you tell yourself and even as a child I had I had those. And so I had this deep feeling and it affected me in just the, the smallest ways that I was in the shadow of my brother. And so, you know, having that belief really stemmed throughout a lot of my childhood, a lot of my teenage years, and I really struggled with my mental health as a teenager as soon as I could, I I moved out of home. I moved very far away from all of my family and um, (laughs) I moved a a 16 hour drive. So from the South coast of New South Wales to the Gold Coast, I was out of there leaving behind a lot of my important people. And one of those was my best friend who had to stay in our hometown um, and just kind of tie up some loose ends. She was planning to come and move with us. So I had, you know, four really close girlfriends. I moved with one of them and one stayed behind. And her mental health really took a, a turn. And she found herself in, in a situation where it just got too much. And she she decided that, you know, her her time on Earth had had come to an end and she passed away by suicide. And I think for myself, I really realized in that moment, having had my own battles and continuing to have my own battles, that. That was no longer a an optional path for me that I, yeah. I really needed to find a way for when, myself to overcome.
1: How old was she when she passed?
0: We were both 19.
1: Oh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So very young. Mm-hmm. And it was a really difficult, difficult time. And I think I um I really then delved into work. I delved into, you know, continuous um, you know, alcohol consumption as my coping mm-hmm. mechanism. and really just trying to disassociate as much as I possibly could I climbed the corporate ladder Mm
1: -hmm. how long how long did you were in that space you know your your consumption or is yeah 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 I I think
0: grief is such a A difficult situation difficult you know there was for me I was living so far away from all of my family up until that 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 moment the only person that I I knew had passed was my grandfather who you know had passed because he was old you know there was and and so you naturally understand that that's something that's going to happen although he technically did pass away quite young but to me you know he was my grandfather and um so losing my best friend, and when somebody passes because of their their mental health, that the battle gets so hard. It it really just it doesn't just affect you know that person. It's the complete ripple. You know my my parents, my family, my my siblings. You know the whole community was was really rocked. And you know for it, it was two thousand and eight. So um unfortunately suicide rates have continued to grow and grow and I think we we recognize and we see it so much more uh, commonly now um but up until that point you know Danny was the second person that I I ever knew and one was like an extended like friend of a friend that was you know mm-hmm. 10 years older that I'd never met but I just heard of of their passing so you know this it really rocked me for a very long time and so I started to do things, um, and my best friend was quite cheeky, she'd always be finding (laughs) herself in trouble, (laughs) and she's got some, ah, there's some good stories when we sit around and talk about her, Um, but I think I became quite reckless in her memory, you know, I would go and do things and drink and party and Mm. and, you know, be at nightclubs until all hours of the morning because she couldn't, and for for myself yeah I, I had alcohol and partying and then I had mm. my work and so I just tried to climb the corporate ladder as high as I possibly could and at 23 mm. I hit burnout and mm. um
1: don't know if you've ever hit burnout maybe some of your listeners Ugh, so yeah. many times like I I think I'm still currently experiencing burnout right now but you know just showing up for all for everyone right now so I can relate to of course to, to a certain extent of where you're to a certain extent of, you know because everyone's burnout is different so. yeah
0: and you know they're, they're everybody experiences everything different yeah mm-hmm. like yeah so out might be different to the next person different to mine but it's, it's understanding ourselves and going okay what what am I needing and for me at at 23, I didn't have the awareness that it was even burnout. You know, I just, I couldn't get up out of bed. I was so unmotivated. I, I, I didn't know my left from my right. Um, you know, I was making decisions that shouldn't have been made and I was so reactive, but all my purpose was so built around my career at that time. So I said to my best friend that I'd I'd still been living with at that at that stage who was here we'd lived in Queensland and Melbourne and (laughs) I said to her I said do you want to go traveling (laughs) and Evelyn's the type of person she's a yes person she just went absolutely (laughs) so we started booking a trip and we gave ourselves about two months I handed in you know eight weeks notice at my work and Wait, eight in, weeks notice in, and they, in Australia they,
1: it's eight what a long wait, not, wait, so is, that, is, that, wait, is that the is that the 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 um, requirement of how long of eight weeks? No,
0: it's not. Usually it can be between two and four. Um but I had built myself so um so far up in this company yeah. that I they were like family to me. They they really were and you know, I knew that my, my role would need to be replaced and they kept me on for the, the whole time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was half expecting them to turn around and be like, okay, well, if you're going, you know, you can go like, see ya. Yeah. Um, like, so bye. They, bye. <laughs> we
1: were like, we known you so long now. <laughs> so
0: bye-bye. It's actually so. been 12 years. I mean, 10 years since I worked for this company.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, and every now and then I'll, I'll still speak to the owners or the, you know, the, the, um a CEO or somebody within it and, and I've still got a job there if I want it. <laughs> that's that's how much you know I I really loved working for them. Yeah. And yeah, so at 23, you know, really, really struggling and not being able to recognize that we book our flights and we're we're one week into our trip and we're in Hawaii yeah so Hawaii. beautiful
1: yeah, Hawaii gorgeous. It's,
0: yeah especially for those you know classic like Aussie girls that you know Hawaii is kind of quite similar to you know the Gold Coast here and you know beautiful beaches and so we show up at this beach and we're like, oh, the waves are pretty big, but it was so hot. And we're thinking, let's go for a swim. You know, we'll be fine. And so we we go out to the side of the, the waves and we kind of scoop around the back, which is what you should do. And so we're at the back of the set and this elder, this older gentleman says to us, girls, what are you doing? You need to swim out to sea. And we're thinking, what? And he's like you need to swim out to see there's a set coming in you need to swim out and these waves start crashing on the shore and they're getting bigger and we're thinking our passports our our stuff is all on the beach we need to get to the shore
1: wait and- so, so wait so the older gentleman told you to go out to like, go further to- out to the ocean of out to the ocean
0: so essentially what was happening with were these waves were coming in that was so big and mm-hmm. so you know when you go swimming in the ocean you kind of want to get behind the waves because then you just yeah, you know just floating, floating. floating in water um instead of being like being cra- having waves crash on you so yeah. essentially that's what he was saying was uh, waves are coming in and you you need to you need to get out there or you, know, you stay out there until it calms down. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Evelyn was quite a stronger swimmer than me. And she starts going to the shore. She completely ignores what he says. She's like, I've got this. And, um, and she's headed to the shore. I go into a complete freeze state. I, I, I just completely shut off. I don't know. Do I follow her? Do I listen to this, this gentleman? And then I just can't move. And these waves start coming and I'm being crashed around, you know, in that washing machine. Like I remember at one stage I was trying to, to swim and my hands were on um, like the sand underneath the, the waves I was swimming to, I didn't know my direction. And I'm just feeling, feeling lost. I'm, I'm under the water for three minutes coming up for a gasp of air and then straight back under the water and i think this is it and mm-hmm. i just start praying i just I, I in in those moments you know if anybody's listening that's had a near death experience you know you'll be surprised with what happens in those moments and i just start praying that my mum knows that i love her and that i'm sorry and that um you know that yeah that she is just you know the the pain that i know that she's about to Im- Im- embark on and yeah, I just, I just fully surrender in that moment. And I knew where I was going. I, I knew of this place heaven because my brother was there. My dad, my, my grandfather was there. My, my best friend was there. I knew where I was going. And so I see these gates and as I'm about to walk up to these gates, this, this man appears, this vision of a man yeah. who you know, I could only assume was God at that point. And yeah. he says to me, your life has purpose your life has meaning it's not your time mm. and i receive those words and in that moment i'm pulled up out of the water Mm-mm-mm. and a lifeguard comes and and grabs me and i'm i'm on the shore and this all happens so so quickly and i mm-hmm. and i i'm taken up to the the shower i didn't need resuscitation i was simply alive mm-hmm. and i at the shower and the water's washing over me and my best friend's crying, I'm crying, there's snot and water <laughs> ascending from every area of my body and I am just completely shaken yeah. and it took a really long time for me to kind of unpack um, the grasp of that significance of that event, you know, yeah. having having been told my life has purpose, my life had meaning I think I really threw that to be like, um, you know, yes, I, I meant to be alive, but I meant to have purpose and mm-hmm. I mean I something and I matter. And yeah, it was a really big un, unpacking from from that as to... You know, that really ignited my passion for personal growth and for healing. I delved into as many practices that I could. Some modalities made things harder, some modalities made
1: things a lot easier. Um what kind, what kind of modalities and also well, you see you were 23 at the time when it happened too, correct? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So
0: Yeah, so it's been a big 10, a big 10 years for me since since that happened. Um I'm now 34 so actually technically 11 but um yeah for for myself you know I I I left Hawaii and we continued our travels and it wasn't until I was in Vegas where I had my first
1: ever panic attack and that really um, Wait so were me. you always I just want to go back a little bit with Hawaii so when that incident happened did you stay there longer after the incident or do you mean that you and Evelyn were like okay we gotta go like let's pick up our like, pack up our bags we need to go now okay, this was trauma or oh, I just oh, was this event it was like mm, I don't know. You know Yeah, so
0: we ended up staying I think for another three days our flights were already booked so mm-hmm. we kind of just went went with it and I don't think either of us really understood the significance of what that what that event actually meant. I remember us going back to like our accommodation and jumping in bed together. And I think we binge watch Grey's Anatomy at the time. <laughs> um, you know, I couldn't really talk. I just remember like waking up in the middle of the night crying and, um, you know, Evelyn's a, an incredible person. She's still a, a huge part of my life. And um, we'll often kind of like talk about that, that memory. And, and neither of us really remember. I think it kind of all merged in, you um, there was a lot of alcohol consumption during that that time as well. And so yeah, I think we just tried to to forget it. Um mm. I know that, you know, she was really shaken by being on the shore trying to, you know, get get help for me. Um mm. yeah, but you know, I I have, I I continued after I tra- I ended up traveling for two and a half years and then coming back to Australia. And, you know, when you have the ability to travel, um you kind of get to be anybody that you want yeah So for two and a half years you know I I would show up in different places and I did a lot of um, couch surfing and and a a lot of you know incredible incredible people were met on my path and so you know I was hi I'm Elle
1: from Australia and I could be anybody that I wanted to be wait so when you were in Vegas what kind of person were you then and in particularly in Vegas because that was like the next door but I cut you off so I just want to make sure of that yeah
0: by the time we got to Vegas you know I was really I was really struggling but I would never have admitted it you know Mm. on the outside I've always had this incredibly confident outgoing type personality you know if if you went to a party you knew that I was in the room if you were alone at a party you knew that I would be the person to come up and make you feel comfortable and and talk Mm. to you in high school I was the girl that was friends with everybody but I never really felt like I belonged and so I think that really again was was myself in in Las Vegas I remember we we had a um a bubble bath and you know we've got our swimmers on we've got the champagne you know we're in Vegas we've got the (laughs) big window you know overlooking the the city um and whether or not it was something in the water. I hadn't been able to go in the ocean since the, the drowning, even swimming pools were really quite difficult for me. And so I don't know if it was a concoction of the alcohol and the water, but I ended up having a, a panic attack where I was reassociated. my My mind just started giving me all of these memories and I couldn't figure out, is it mine? Is it not mine? Is this true? Is this not true? And it really then from there kind of sent me a little bit crazy i i i really went it was the it was a really big pillar in a very fast downfall in my mental health and so when i did get home to australia and i realized i'm not okay and people were worried about me my my family was was worried about me and i really needed to find something that would work and I and I did I've tried nearly every modality under the sun if you had told me that you know skipping on one leg and you know patting my head would would help me I, I would have tried it um you know I'm very grateful that I when I was medicated at 15 for depression that the the medication didn't make me feel good and so I really felt like that wasn't a way for me I knew that suicide wasn't a way for me I needed to find a different way and so I tried many things like hypnotherapy, kinesiology, EFT, MDR, um, yoga, you know movement, exercise like there, there wasn't really talk therapies there was so many so many measures that I had had tried in in a child work (laughs) there there really wasn't wasn't much left and that's when um I found myself visiting the Gold Coast and and staying with a friend here and I I happened to have walked into a coffee shop and was introduced to a lady named Karen Hedges and we just got talking and you know when you meet somebody that just reminds you of a part of you
1: Mm -hmm. that Yes. you
0: go, wow, you know, it might be like a, a movie star or a, a TED talker. And you're like, the way they're presenting just like makes me, you know, I really love that. There was just, there was just something about this woman that I could see myself in her, this, this part that I'd lost, this confident, beautiful, embodied woman. And, she mentions that she's just been over in the UK and studied in this modality called Havening Techniques. And again, I was like, I don't care what it is. I'll do it. (laughs) I will do it. And so we caught up the next day and I sat in the, the Haven in her chair and, and she just tells me, you know, what, what's, what's there for you. And all I said was when I was, the three little words when I was and I burst into tears and Wait, what does it mean by when I was or what well, the, I, I started to to tell her why I was there you know the the pain that I was carrying the hurt that I was carrying uh, all I all I said was when I was and I just became so associated I was I just felt so safe in her presence and she starts stroking my arms and using yeah. some simple brain distractions and 15 minutes later i had this sense of freedom that i don't know if i'd ever felt yeah there was just this lightness and the session ended up going for close to two hours and um just the unpacking of the unworthiness and not feeling good enough and feeling unlovable just i was completely stripped from so many things And so I wasn't living on the Gold Coast. I was just visiting at that time. And I went back to my hometown and I packed up all of my things. I sold what I needed to. And I moved back to the Gold Coast within about three weeks. Mm -hmm. And another three weeks later, um, I had the opportunity to train in this modality. And I kid Mm -hmm. you not, I was like, I need the therapist, I cannot become the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is no way that that's happening. Why is and- that? <laughs> well, I think, you know, I just spent such a long period of my life feeling messed up, feeling forgotten, feeling unlovable, feeling unworthy, feeling like I'm somebody but I'm nobody. Yeah. And- so when I started in this modality I, I really studied in it for myself and I had to become my own client and I did that for the first 12 months of my life I just dedicated my life 12 months of, of being certified but then I started to attract people into my life that were like what is it that you're doing and I'd say well it's evening I said I, I've I'm doing case studies if you'd like to have a session so I ended up in that in that first 12 months not only utilizing myself as my own client but I gifted like close to 250 sessions of this modality to really become an expert myself in facilitating that space I was only meant to do 40 to get certified but I did so many and um yeah, then you know that was that was seven years ago. Now been certified for for just under six, and yeah, my journey is I've really become a leader in in this modality, and I know that havening found me, and not to sound egotistical, but I'm very good at it. It's a it's a beautiful modality where that space has to be held for somebody. It's very nurturing, which I've always had that nurturing part of myself. it it requires our intuition and our connection with the Holy spirit of something greater than us to go, ah, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm guiding it. I'm really protected. I don't have to listen to somebody's story. Just like when I sat down with all of my pain and all of my shame and all of my heartbreak, and all I had to say was when I was, that was all to speak in order to have this sense of freedom. So, you know,
1: were you, were you supposed not to say, when I was or
0: was that just like a wake up call? Yeah, I could have shared anything. You know, now when I work with clients, you know, sometimes they they'll come to me and they say, Elle, I've I've worked with with so many people, but I've never had the opportunity to tell somebody what I've been through. Um, and I really want to share that with yourself. And I'll say, of course. And so I'll sit and I'll, I'll listen to their their whole life story. And um, where other people come in and I have no idea what they're working on. Mm, Yeah, I have no no idea if they can go there in their mind, then that's fine. Just like me, I don't actually think I had more words than when I was. Mm. I think that's all I had because there was so much confusion and torment and limiting belief within myself. I, I didn't have anything else to say. I couldn't, I'd been trying for, you know, for such a long time, and especially those six years where I had very complex PTSD, where I was so confused, it was so complex. Where do I start? So all I had <laughs> was when I was, and my amygdala went into a a, a flight response, right? Yeah. the 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 tears came, the emotion was there, the feelings were there, and that's all we need within havening. If if there's a A triggered response of the amygdala that's what we're working with it's it's traditionally known as amygdala depotentiation we're changing the way that we respond to past memories past beliefs past thoughts whenever I used to think of my best friend that passed away I had a deep level of guilt I had only been visiting her the week prior to her passing and I also carried
1: a lot of shame yeah I was she always stayed did she after you left when you were 19 did she stayed in your hometown the whole time yeah yeah
0: yeah there was some some legal things that were going on she needed to stay there and you know so I did I, I felt the guilt from from leaving her there for not waiting until she was ready I felt the guilt of of yeah, not calling enough, not sending enough text messages. You know, it was a different time. Then we, I don't even know if we really had Facebook messenger. We definitely didn't have Instagram, you know, wow. we didn't, I don't use Snapchat, but we didn't have that then. Um, so there wasn't this way of regularly staying in contact. And so, yeah, I, I really carried that. And for, you know, 10 years, I remember just that, that pain being there every time I would think of her every, and it was an odd thing. I had an odd trigger that every time I get into the shower, I would think of her. I don't know what the association was. I know it's very odd. Um, still now,
1: still now you don't know why when you're showering, she comes up.
0: Yeah. Well, I've been able to work through that because now I, I no longer mourn her. I celebrate her. I have a legacy in her name. You know, the the month of October is the month that she passed away, the 16th of October. And in that month, I go above and beyond in my generosity in giving back. You know, I do more pro bono sessions that month than any other other month. Um, you know, if there's anybody in my community that I know that is struggling, people know st- L's number, right? I I do that many legacy sessions in her name. I work with many teenagers, young adults, and adults that are struggling, um, in in her name. You know, I've I've utilized it and utilized that pain um, from a place of you know her life had purpose and it had meaning. And I I know in our small town that it shook a lot of people, it yeah. woke a lot of people up, and as hard as it is her her life was so beautiful you know and it, and it left a really beautiful meaning and so being able to shift my perspective utilizing the tools that i have from pain and suffering into light and understanding is such a gift
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i also like even as i'm listening to you, at least in this particular with your best friend i could feel the celebration that you have for her the legacy and at the same time too the feeling of like you know that like that strong intense feeling of sadness still like just like it would never go away like, of course it wouldn't like the feeling would never go away but i felt both yeah. very strongly in both and it's just like yeah it's yeah. you i can and tell that you loved her so much i know like, oh, i guess so it. much
0: and the, the sadness really is that we, we, you know, both had to go through that and experience that, yeah you no know, but, but we are humans and we will suffer. It's just how we, how we look at that suffering. I live by the motto and, and somebody might be able to, you know, take this on, but my motto in life is some of the best days of my life haven't happened yet. Mm. Some of the worst days of my life haven't happened yet.
1: Ah. So what does that really mean? So I understand the, the, the best days, but then what does it mean? So is it more like anticipation or? No, so for myself, my goal
0: is to be as resilient as I possibly can because the hard days are coming. You know, Mm -hmm. my parents are both still alive. My, my Four other siblings are still alive, my nieces and nephews. I've my dog, you know, there's (laughs) there's going to be suffering and and pain and loss and, you know, with statistics growing, you know, we we're going to fit into some of those statistics, you know, with with health and wellness. And and so for myself, it's it's not about anticipating the worst that's coming because it is coming. You know, we we can't get out of this alive, but it's how can I ensure that I'm taking the best care of myself? So when those things do happen, not only will I be able to help myself, but I'll be able to help those around me. Because when Danny passed away, I had alcohol, Mm. I had sex, I had um, you know, my, my work, I, I would run away, you know, it was, I was very hard for anybody to talk to, you know, people were on eggshells around me for a very long time. And so, you know, if anything like that were to ever happen a- again, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm okay. Yeah. yeah, that I, can, that I can get through without going to those, um, you know, distractions and devices and those addictions, um, and so, yeah, I really live by the, the motto that some of the best days of my life haven't happened, you know, cause I'm, you know, hopefully going to get another two soon and I will, you know, get, get married. Maybe there's children, you know, there's holidays to different places that I'll take, you know, there's, there's really wonderful things that are going to happen in life as well. So, you know, if anything, I anticipate the good days that are coming and the, <laughs> not the bad days. Um, yeah. Is they're all lessons and learnings, but just to make sure that I'm okay when those hard things do come.
1: Thank you. Uh, that. Thank you for thank you for clarifying that. It totally makes sense. Anticipating for the amazing, great days that's coming, but also like you said, resilience, bringing resilience when it is coming, when the bad days are coming. Because this is life. It's gonna happen, and we just have to handle it, and then bring take care take care of ourselves, and then come back after that. Yeah. Um, I know you already mentioned about like the model, it's already scenes like this, but what is your one takeaway? Like it seems like it's the model, your takeaway, but it could be something else too. So, I think, you know, on top of the motto, it would also just be like,
0: you're enough and you're worthy. And I know it's so cliche, but like, you're worthy of the time, you're worthy of the energy, you're worthy of investing in yourself, you're worthy of other people investing in you. Like, yeah, just, I think that's been like my, my other biggest, you know, highlight and aha moment is like, I'm good. There's only me on the planet. There'll never be another one of me. So why don't I just embrace me? There's never going to be another one of you, you know, exactly as you are. So like, just, yeah, let's all individually embrace ourselves. So therefore we can really embrace each other.
1: Mm. Yeah. And then just show up for, for each other too. Once you like learn to embrace what who you are and what you can bring and yeah. not really compare yourself to other people which I have a tendency to do which I'm still learning mm-hmm. at this time but um thank you L. thank you so much for just joining sharing your story I love every single part of your story it's I felt for every single one and it's yeah it's, it's kind of speechless on it too because you went through quite a bit you know, Mm -hmm. in during your life so far, and then still you're coming back up now to be there for other people as well, too. And so thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for being here. And so, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for just listening in. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please review wherever you're listening and look out for new episodes every Tuesday on The Courageous Inner Beast. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoyed our conversation and would like to know more about Elle McBride, please look at the show notes for more information and for the links.